Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. The message that I want to preach today has been 10 weeks in the making. I've been waiting to preach this message for 10 weeks. And the reason I've had to wait 10 weeks, tomorrow my newborn baby boy, his name is Casey Wynn, turns 10 weeks old. In fact, I think we got some pictures of him. He's very, very handsome. I'm very biased, of course. Boom, there he is. I mean, right? Come on. I love that I get to preach now and show pictures of my kids. Like, this is a dream come true. I love it. This was actually after our high school summer internship. He was there. He was loving it. Issa, is is he not the cutest thing in the entire world? He, I, I don't know how to explain this. He loves to be at church. First few weeks of his life, right, like, we were just getting used to everything and, like, weren't bringing him. But when we did bring him, he was like, this is where I'm meant to be. I think he understood because we were, you know, here all the time. He loves it. He's super smiling. I think we got another photo. I mean, you guys. That's the right response. Very good. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what I looked like wrapped up in a towel? There I am. Very cool. All right, one last photo. Look at that hair. If there's anybody here who is in like the hair product industry, the modeling agency, let me know. I want to get my boy working right away. He's very, very cool. I love him. But the message that I want to preach today is called Through the Eyes of a Father. And that's why I'm telling you I had to wait 10 weeks to preach it. I couldn't have preached this message any other time because the last 10 weeks I've started to understand. Listen, my my world has changed like completely. I understand it now. I know I'm only 10 weeks in, right? But I'm learning things. I'm seeing things. I'm understanding things from a different perspective that I simply could not have unless there was a tiny little human being living in my house, fully dependent on me and my wife. Can I get an amen from all the parents? Okay. And the message that I want to preach, it's a very simple message. I don't want to make it complicated. I don't want to make it complex. It's a very, very simple message. And I believe that if the message like this was preached every single week, it still wouldn't be enough. We constantly need to be reminded and refreshed of how God views us as his children, how we're meant to view him as our father, the way that this dynamic works. So today, the picture that I want to paint for you, the stories that I want to tell, the things that I want to get to you, I'm going to be using the analogy of the lessons that I'm learning, the things that I'm seeing, how they're relate to my son, but I need you to grab this morning that these are for you from your father. These are you from your God to you from your king. If we can do that together this morning, I know that the way that you leave, the way that you see him, your perspective, your filter is going to get adjusted and changed. Amen. It's a really sad thing about the newborn. You know, those pictures are awesome. I love, I love iPhones. Like we're going to have those pictures forever. I was born in the nineties. So my mom has like 13 photos of me and that's it. I love that we can take all these pictures, but the saddest thing, I think, about him coming out of the newborn phase, right, because he's two months old, like things are changing. The saddest thing about him coming out of the newborn phase is that the meal train has completely stopped. I think I understand now what postpartum depression is. I, I get it. Food used to show up to my door, and now it doesn't anymore. I have to be a responsible human being and make it or buy it myself. It's very, very sad. Pray for your buddy. And it's so funny, as we've gotten back to church, people mean well, they're the sweetest, they're asking us what's going on. I have a bunch of questions that I just want to answer for everybody really, really quickly. You guys good with that? Okay, here we go. Yes, mom is doing great. Yes, he is sleeping okay. No, we are not. Yes, I've heard of baby wise. 
yes, coffee is indeed our friend. Yes, I love being a dad. Yes, we want more kids. No, not anytime soon. <laughs> no, he's not going to summer camp. And yes, I know that he looks like me. <laughs> if you have any other questions, you know, come and find me. The last one's funny because, you know, I, I do think he looks like me. I'm a little bit biased, but it's really, had, it's really like messed with my ego a little bit. I'll just tell you the truth. When people are like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. He's so handsome. He's so beautiful. He looks just like you. I'm like, stop it. Stop. <laughs> he's very cool. I'm in love with him. And I hope what you're hearing today is that I have such a love and an affection for my boy. I'm so happy to be a father. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm living a better life this last 10 weeks than I've ever lived. I'm more fulfilled. I'm more in love with my wife. I'm more in love with my friends and family. I feel different as a dad. And that's a good thing, right? I'm stepping into new levels. It's really, yeah, that's cool. I told Pastor John, I was like, dude, the preaching content is coming like crazy. Like I get it now. Like I can use my kid as an analogy. Like <laughs> preaching is fantastic. But it's really cool. God, God really wants to take you and I on a journey. And the way that God, and it's very sad that most churches don't teach this. And in fact, in some schools, they teach the opposite of this. God has a plan and a purpose for how families are meant to work, how children are meant to work, how that relationship is meant to be. And I believe the very first thing in this process is that you and I must first become a man or a woman of God. Okay, it starts there. You have to learn how to control yourself, how to lead yourself, how to, how to do all of those kinds of things. And if you do it the right way, you do it in your youth, you do it when you're a young adult, you do it when you're a young man or woman of God. And once he's got you to that part, he's like, cool, you, you're, you're, you're on track, you're getting discipled, you're in a connect group, you're in love with my house, you're in love with me, like, great. Now I'm going to give you some more trust and some more responsibility. So what comes after that? Jesus talked about it. You get a spouse, you get, a, you get married, you get a husband, you get a wife. God says, cool, and I want to teach you all the lessons that are going to come with being married. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the friction, the tension, the what do we do here, what do we do there, the preferences, the, all of the good, come on, guilt-free sex, anybody? It was very awesome. There's some good things to go with it. <clears throat> But all of the lessons that he wants to teach you and the ways that he wants to sharpen you in marriage, right? It's beautiful. So once, once you've kind of, you know, evolved there and, you know, learned those lessons and are on that road, then he, he's like, okay, it's time to go to another level. Now I'm going to have half you, half her, little baby is going to come in. Now you're going to be responsible to be a parent. You're meant to take care of this little person. You're meant to teach them you're meant to train them, to provide for them, to protect them. All of the responsibility of being a parent. Then there's a fourth and final graduation. Are there any grandparents in the room? Okay, a few of them. With grandparents, he's like, you've been through it all, just do whatever you want. You've made it this far, you're a grandparent, go for it. But I'm excited today to, to preach this message. And it's interesting, as I have, have had my son, it's caused me to reflect on my life. It's caused me to reflect on my relationship and my filter of what fatherhood looks like, my filter of what my experience has been with, with my dads. And I say dads, you're like, whoa, dads, poor, okay. Let me tell you a little bit about my story and where I'm coming from, because it's gonna lead to what God has done in my life that is powerful and potent and he wants to do in your life. My mom had me when she was 19 years old, very, very young. She was a collegiate swimmer on her way to the Olympics. She was a total awesome swimmer and got pregnant with me right as she was leaving high school. My dad, my biological dad, decided for whatever reason, didn't want anything to do with me, completely abandoned me, completely rejected me. I don't think he would have done that if he knew how awesome I was going to become. He might have, you know, stood around. But made the decision to leave, didn't want to be a part of my, of my life, which is so interesting for me now as a father to see. I'm like, there's no way that I would look at my newborn son and be like, no, I'm good. 
right? So dealing with that rejection, dealing with that abandonment, my mom got remarried and she married, was married to him for 10 years, was my, you know, stepdad, was, was fine, you know, loved me, cared about me, but I realized that when his obligation to her ended, his obligation to me ended. Left my life, I'm just like, shoot, 10 years old, right? Have a dad that, that I never really knew that abandoned me and rejected me. Had a dad that I thought was my dad, and, you know, found out later that, that he was, had this whole thing going on. Then when I was 11 years old, my dad today, his name's R.C. Pyle, that's the name that I carry. I asked him to adopt me. He married my mom. I wanted him to be my dad. I fell in love with him, but ran into the, the issue or the conflict of the problems that his dad faced and didn't deal with, which got passed on to him, which he didn't face and deal with. So now I'm in this like weird position of like, I want to come to you for dad advice. I want you to teach me and show me what to do. But the truth is, is you were never shown, so you couldn't show me. So now I'm, what do I do? I believe with all of my heart that God has supernaturally protected me. God has supernaturally covered me. God has supernaturally brought men into my life to show me what fatherhood looks like. At the end of the day, the best thing that I can do, regardless of my experience, regardless of my lack of dadding, regardless of all of the things that I didn't get, the best thing that I can do for my son is do for him what God has done for me. Is to point him to the father that he has. It's brought, can I tell you the truth? It's brought such a reverence in my life of who God is to me, the way that he's always been there, the way that he's brought those men into my life at the right times. That's dudes like Pastor Andre Johnson, bringing them into, I don't have teenagers yet, so I'll hit you up in a few years. But teaching me and showing me, but it puts such a reverence in my heart of God throughout your word, throughout my life. I mean, I can look back at my life and see these moments where he has been the father that I've always needed. I don't know what your relationship with your earthly father looks like, but today there's a God in heaven who is your father, who loves you tremendously, who cares about you, who knows you, has known all the days of your life, and he wants you to know today that he is proud of you, he loves you, he sees you, he's aware of you, and you are his precious, precious gift. The only thing that God wants out of you and me out of this whole thing is he wants the relationship piece of this equation. He wants us to know those things and to see him for who he really is. Amen? And I figured out, you know, who makes great dads? You guys want to know the secret to make who makes great dads? Simply men who want to be. If you're, a, if you're a man, I'm going to talk to the men specifically. If you're a man in here and you had a less than optimal experience with your father, maybe the relationship was good, but now it's not. Maybe it was bad, but now it's good. Whatever you're at right now and you are bringing children into the world, I want you to know that if you decide in your heart that you can be a good dad, that you want to be a good dad, God will supernaturally empower you, bring the right people along, bring you the right skills. You can be a good dad and a good mother if you choose to be. That's all that it takes in your heart is to choose that you want to be. So today, this is unlike me. I'm usually not like a points preacher guy. I mostly just like roll with it, but I'm evolving, I guess. <laughs> so I have eight points today. I would love it if you take notes. The reason we tell you to take notes and encourage it and do it ourselves is because we know that the things that we write down, we can go back and reflect on them later. Your brain, I can't remember the math, so don't quote me. It's a high number, a certain percentage of things that you write down, you remember and you retain. I want you to remember and retain what God is saying to you today. Amen? Can we do that? Take notes together. Very first thing that I want you to write down, and again, the whole picture that I want to paint for you is things that I'm seeing, excuse me, with my boy, you know, experiences that I'm having, things that I'm feeling or seeing. The whole point of this is to paint the picture of how God is meant to see and feel towards you. Does that make sense? Can we like bridge that gap together? The very first thing is his access and availability to me. 
I want my son to know that at any point in time, for any reason, under any circumstance, my son has complete and full access and availability to me. I will never be too busy to listen to him. I will never be too distracted to look him in his little eyes. He will have my full attention because the type of son that I want to raise is a son who knows his daddy is there for him. It's interesting, Christians oftentimes will take for granted or be unaware of the access and availability that they have to God their father. Once you truly understand and tap into this, it's something that's gonna change your world, it's gonna change your dynamic with your relationship with him, it's gonna change how you even view yourself. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was crucified shortly after his death, that the earth rumbled and that the veil was torn. You guys know this story? It's very, very important to understand what was hiding behind that veil, what was being hidden by that veil, by that by the what was in there. That veil was in the Holy of Holies. It contained the presence of God. And the only way that you got to go in there is if you were a high priest. Sucks if you're not a high priest. Like, how do you have that relationship with God? How do you have accessibility with God? How do you have availability to God? You didn't. But the moment that Jesus was crucified and the veil was torn, the presence of God was made available to everyone who believed in his son. It was made available to you and to I wonder... Have we been taking for granted our access and our availability that God our Father has given us? I'm not here to coach you or critique you. I'm here today to show you again, for God to reveal himself to you again. Hey, son, hey, daughter, I am available to you. In fact, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13. It says, when you call upon me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. I don't know about you, but I would be frustrated out of my mind if every time I went to pray to God, I had to wonder or be curious if he was listening to me. It would make me an insecure prayer. Are you on the clock? Are you hearing this time? Did you get my email? Are you, I don't have to wonder or worry every single moment that I have an opportunity to pray to God, to involve him, to get him, to get his feedback, to listen for his voice. I know without a shadow of a doubt that he is available and accessible. Do we pray and do we operate like we believe that that is true? Come on, I wanna be a church. I wanna be a people. I wanna be a person. I wanna be a dad who believes that when I pray to my God that he is willing and able to listen. And guess what? He's excited when you pray to him. Why? Because he likes you. That's it. I want my son to have a constant stream of communication with me. I want him to be able to tell me everything, ask me everything. I'm sure eventually the questions will get annoying, all the whys, and you know, I'll figure that out when I get there. But God doesn't get annoyed by you asking him questions. You know, it's so beautiful. When you become a Christian, God doesn't say, okay, well, great, you're a Christian now. Now give me your intellect. He doesn't say that. He doesn't ask you to cash in your intellect. He wants you to be curious. He wants you to ask questions. He wants you to explore. He wants you to find out who he is, which is the point of today and why you're here. Amen? Okay, the second thing is time and moments. I am already scheming, my friends, like crazy. Like, I've already planned trips in my mind with my son. We're going to go do fun stuff, just him and I. It's things that mommy doesn't like to do, so we're going to go do them. Fishing and hiking and bar. I mean, just all, I tried to buy my son an Emerge Junior ticket, Way ahead. Of, they're not for sale, by the way. We'll have to, you know, get there. But I'm already planning these times and these moments with him. Why? Why am I already planning to be intentional to spend time with my son? Because I need him to know that my relationship with him isn't of utmost priority. I need him to know that it's worth it to me to step away from work and step away from ministry and step away from my life and step, even step away from my wife, right? Because I want moments just him and I. If I do it right at the end of my parenting with him, right? Because when he's 18, that's when parenting is done. I don't know. Yeah, Pastor Sean says, we'll get there. I'm a long way away. 
But at the end of that time, he should be able to look back and be like, I have these moments and these memories with my dad where we had this conversation, where he spoke to this insecurity, where he showed me X, Y, and Z, where he told me the story of our family. He told me the story of how mommy and daddy, I want those moments and that time with him the same way that God, your father, wants time and moments spent with him. I can look back on my youth and my, you know, being a young man and I have these moments with God where I've dedicated myself to spend time with him. I've dedicated myself and been disciplined. It's gonna require some discipline. Listen, I'm not gonna beat up on you too bad, but some of you need to get your phone out and go into your calendar and put some God time in because it's not a priority right now, but God is desperately wanting it to be a priority in your life. Yes, come to church on Sunday. Yes, come to a Wednesday. Yes, serve on a team. Yes, give. Yes, be a part of this thing. But if you're not spending time with God the way that he's meant for you and him to spend time alone together, those moments you're gonna miss out on. He's active, he's willing, he's accessible, he's available. He wants those moments of time with you. Look, that can look like a lot of ways. That can be praying by yourself. That can be driving on the way to, to, to school with your kids and blasting worship music. Come on, sitting on the toilet is a great place to hear from God. I'm just saying, let's be real. Listen, today I want something to shift into you. I, I want you to go, I don't want you to think, oh, I haven't been doing this. I want you to go, God wants me to do this. It's not a beat yourself up. Look, I'm the harshest critic that there is of Sterling Pyle. No one is harder on me than me. I find myself even like, man, what does this week look like? What do my devotions look like? Have I been sitting and spending time with God? I am re-energized and refueled to spend time with God because the type of person that I am, the type of husband that I am, the type of father that I am, the type of child that I will raise is on the line and the time that I spend with him is gonna multiply and amplify the good in me, amen? God has good in you and wants to reveal it. I can look back at those moments. It's very cool. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of, all of your soul. It's like playing hide and seek with God, but you always know where he is. You win every time. This week, this month, come on, be a disciplined Christian, be a mature Christian, do something different, make a shift, make a change. It's like expecting to get results from working out, but you never go to the gym. You can dream all day that you're going to get closer to God. You can dream all day that you're going to hear his voice better. You can dream all day X, Y, and Z, but the more time and moments that you have with him, that's where that relationship is increased, that line of communication. Amen. Can we be a church who commits to that this week? Beautiful. The next thing is to run to me and not from me. Now, the question of, you know, whether my son's going to be fun and adventurous and probably get in a little bit of trouble, that's already been decided he's going to because he has Marissa's blood in him. So it's, it's not only a matter of like what he does, it's a matter of how quickly does he come and tell me about it. And listen to this, and then listen to this. And how does he approach me in that conversation? There's an analogy, and maybe you've heard of it. It talks about a teenager who's driving a car, right? Absolutely not paying attention, music up, texting on the phone, and gets in a fender bender. Have you guys heard about this? Like gets in a fender bender. And there's really two ways in that moment that that teenager can decide how he's gonna confront, you know, the consequences or the thing that's next. One of them is fear. Oh shoot, my dad's gonna find out. What happens when he finds out? What's the consequence? How much trouble am I gonna be in? How am I gonna be punished? That's operating out of fear of consequence. That's operating out of fear of punishment. That's operating out of fear of my dad is out to get me and I'm in big trouble. The other side of that is the operating out of love. It's the shoot, I need to call my dad. My dad's no, gonna know what to do. My dad's gonna come save me. My dad's gonna come pick me up. My dad's gonna have an answer to the solution. I wanna quote, if there's any Office fans in here, the great prophet Michael Scott. 
he says about his employees is, oh, you know, do I want them to fear me or love me? Well, that's easy. I want them to fear how much, I love, how much they love me. <laughs> I want my son to always know when he's crossing the line, when he's making a mistake, when he's X, Y, and Z, that he can come to me and my response, my posture is going, not, is going to be not, oh, you're in trouble, buddy. Time to spank you again, get you in trouble, punish you. I needed my response to be, son, I'm glad that you came and told me about this. So what, now what? I stole that from Pastor Dre. So what, you did that, now what? Now what are we gonna do? I wonder how many of us, when we're crossing the line, when we're making the mistake, when we're X, Y, and Z, we think that God is waiting on the other side of that ready to chastise, scold, and be upset with us. I know this is a problem. How do I know? Because I used to think that way. I would tell God, I'd be like, God, if I told you all of what I was doing, then you would know. He's like, well, wait a second. I already know anyways. I just need you, son, to realize that you need to run to me and not from me. Isn't that like the enemy of your soul? That when, you're, when those things are going on and you're engaging in those things and, you know, crap is hitting the fan, isn't it just like him to run away from God? Yeah. But God's ultimate design is that you would understand to run towards him as a father who loves you and is ready to greet you with grace, with mercy, and with help. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> the Bible says this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Remember both sides of that coin, punishment or love, fear or love. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It's very, very important when we're in those moments of SOS, when we're in those moments where friction is happening and conflict is there and we're just not sure what to do. Come on, I want to be someone. I want my son to see me run to God, my father, the same way I want to see him run to me so that we can have that interaction, that engagement. Does that make sense? Is this good for you guys? Is this working so far? Are you falling in love with God again? Yeah. Okay. The next thing is prophesying into the future, prophesying into his life. This is something that for me came very naturally. I know it may not come naturally for everybody. It came very naturally for me because it was something that I decided ahead of time that I was going to engage in. When we found out that we were pregnant, I was ecstatic. I was thrilled. I started like doing math in my head of when he was going to be here. I started doing all the things. But one of the things that I started doing from the moment that we knew that he was in there was I started prophesying over his life. Simple things like this. Little buddy. Well, we called him little buddy because we didn't know we were going to call him until a month later or until a month before he was born. I would pray things like this. Little buddy, right now, God's putting all of your parts together. Everything's going great. You're gonna be beautiful. You're gonna be handsome. You're gonna be kind. You're gonna know God. He's gonna know you. Mommy and daddy, I just started preaching and prophesying these things over his life. Even in the womb, can I tell you, it's never too early to start prophesying over someone, prophesying life over them. Every single morning, you can ask my wife, you can ask God, he'll tell you the truth. Every single morning when my son, which is, by the way, when newborns wake up and they come out of their swaddle, that little like, arm thing they do is just like the cutest thing in the whole world. I love it. He's the sweetest at seven in the morning and I'm not very happy with him at like three in the morning, you know? By the way, I've got a little bone to pick. This isn't in my notes. Why do people say the thing, oh, sleep like a baby? You want me to wake up every two hours hungry and throwing up and with a poopy diaper? That doesn't make any sense. We want to sleep like teenagers. Come on, no responsibility. Also, I have a little bit of a confession to make. I may or may not have, you know, typed into my phone, how, how, you know, how young, you know, can my kid be to give them melatonin gummies? Like, I'm just saying, I'm just being real with you guys. Like, it's, it's been, a, I've been up since three o'clock this morning. We're doing it. God wants his children to believe what he has said about them and to them. 
In the same way that I'm prophesying life into my kid and calling out the best in him and telling him the awesome future he's going to have, I'm already praying for his wife and my buddy. She's going to be awesome. She's going to be beautiful. She's going to love God. You guys, why am I doing that when homie's 10 weeks old? Because it's never too early for me to start prophesying into his life, start prophesying into his future. My very best I want for him. Do you believe that God's very best he wants for you? Do you know what his word says about what his very best is? When you pick up your Bible, are you reading this as rules and regulations? The way that I did for many years. Do this, don't do this. Cross his teeth, dot that I. Yes or no. You need to look at the word of God as a prophetic offering over your life of son, daughter, I have the best for you. I know what it takes to make your life flourish. I know what it takes to make your life prosper. I know how you are meant to live your life because guess what? I designed you. I made it to work a certain way. Christians are meant to operate at a certain level. We're meant to operate at a certain frequency. When you open your Bible, when you read what God has said, are you looking at verses like Jeremiah 29, 11? It's a very common one. Your auntie probably has it, you know, above the kitchen somewhere. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, which means that God has already determined that his thoughts are good for you. He doesn't have to con confront you at where you are right now, the decisions you've made, the way you've been living. Like he's determined ahead of time his decisions towards you, his thoughts towards you. And guess what they are? The Bible says this. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Doesn't that sound like a good daddy, to give you a future and a hope and to want the best for you? Yeah. It, it just, I wonder, are you operating with this mentality? Are you operating with this filter? Are you operating with God wants the very, very, very best in your life? Because if you're not, you're operating out from under his best desire for you. His desire is for you to come into alignment with how he sees you and how his relationship with you is meant to flow. Amen? Amen. When you open your Bible, what do you see? Okay, the next thing, I'm doing pretty good, 13 minutes. My son will be convinced and certain that I love him. My love for him will be certain. Now, this is going to take some energy. This is going to take some consistency. Very easy for me to say that up on stage, but then have to do it the rest of his life, Right? But I'm determined and I'm committed to, to showing my son, not just by telling him, but by showing him that my love for him is unwavering. My love for him is certain. My love for him is not based on his performance. My love for him is not based on what he can do. It is simply because he is my son and I love him and I'm proud of him. That's it. Homie hasn't done anything but eat and poop and sleep. And I'm obsessed with him. I love him with all of my heart. It's so interesting. Christians will approach their relationship with God as something that they have to give to get to. And there is some of that. You do have to give and to get. I want to tell you that God is not basing his love for you based on your performance, based on your history, based on your past, based on your present. God's love for you is based solely on who he is. It has nothing to do with you. You are the variable that changes. He is the one that stays intact. The Bible says this, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good news? God's love for you is not dependent on your doing or not doing. It's not dependent on your actions or your behavior. It's not dependent on how much you serve or how much you don't serve. It's not dependent on how much you give or you don't give. It's not dependent on the time that you spend with him or the time that you don't. It is dependent solely on who he is. The Bible says this, if you don't believe me, and it says in Romans 8, 37, 39, it says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, you gotta be persuaded. You gotta know that you know that you know that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Boom, 
If you believe what this word says, then God's love for you has already been solidified. It is simply a matter of taking and implementing God's word into your mind, into your heart, and letting it transform your operating system. Are you approaching God with the certainty of his love for you, or are you still in question? Do you approach God of, do you still really? Could you still really? Are you sure? Is it for me, even though I? No. God's love for you has already been decided. In fact, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he chose to give his only son, made a great and costly sacrifice. Why? Because remember, his whole goal, his whole aim is that you and him would have close relationship, proximity, intimacy, love for each other, that you would be in perfect communion with your father. And that could not happen without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That could not happen without that price being paid. It was worth it to God to win you forever. It was worth it to God to secure your future. It was worth it to God so that you had an opportunity to have eternity secured with him. And check this out. God cares about your eternity and your salvation, for sure. It's a very big deal to him but he cares tremendously about how you live your life here on earth. He cares that you live your life as a son and as a daughter, knowing who your father is. I love that God is a no matter what God. I believe there's no decision. And again, this is interesting. I would have to make a lot of bad decisions in a row and lie to a lot of people to really mess up my life. I would have people calling me, texting me, hey, what's going on? Why'd you do this? Hey, I would have layers upon layers because I fortified my life with leaders. I fortified my life submitting to authority. I fortified my life to get feedback from people. I fortified my life in that way. So it would take a lot for me to like ruin my life, but some of you are one or two decisions away. It's time to fortify your life with the right people and to realize that God is a no matter what God. He's going to love you no matter what. There's no sin that you could complete. There's no thought that you can think. He's already determined in his mind that he has a great love for you. Come on, does anybody feel and know and experience the love of God in this place? Beautiful. Please hold. Okay, we're wrapping up. Something that's very important to me is my lineage and my line, my legacy. In our family, we're called the pile party because we just like to have a lot of fun. I need it to mean something to my son to have my name, to be a pile. It's got to mean something to him. And what I mean by mean something to him, it means a certain way of living our life, a certain way of loving God and his house and his people, of sacrificially serving. Like, I want my son to be about what I'm about. Isn't that a good thing for a father to want? Like, I want my son to be like me. It's also a very scary thing. I want my son to be like me. That means as dads, as mothers, as leaders, as, pe- as people, we've got to step up to another level and constantly be getting better, right? If I'm going to say I want my son to be just like, like I am, I've got to get better and better, right? It's interesting. My work will someday be his work. The life that my wife and I are building for him will someday be his life. It's going to pass on to my grandkids. It's going to pass on to his family. I have a window of time. I have a window of time to train my son to live his life a certain way and to carry on my line and my legacy. The Bible describes what God is building here on earth and in heaven as his kingdom. It's a kingdom that we're building. We're meant to bring people into it. We're meant to expand it. We're meant to defend it. We're meant to grow it. We're meant to be a part of its future. We're meant to be a part of its vision. I want to paint the picture for you between the relationship of a prince or a princess and a king. In a kingdom, the king is the ruler. The king has dominion. The king is responsible for the people. The king is meant to defend and protect and multiply the kingdom. Yes, everyone understand how kings work? From the moment that that prince is born, baby boy is there, from the moment that they're born, their entire life is geared towards the ultimate end, the ultimate goal, the ultimate line to cross of they will eventually become the king of that kingdom. 
They're meant to eventually take on what their dad has built. They're meant to eventually take on the mission. They're meant to eventually take on the responsibility of the people. And in the same way the son's role is, meant, is to learn and to be trained and to be taught and to do all of those things to become king, guess what? The king has a huge responsibility and role in that paradigm as well. The king is meant to tell his son why build the kingdom, why protect the people, why care about its expansion, why care about its defense. In the same way, the kingdom that God is building is meant for you and I to inherit, for you and I to buy into, for you and I to make it the mission and the vision of our life to build his kingdom as sons and daughters of God. Can I get an amen? The Bible says this, for as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Come on, I want to be a son and a daughter of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, listen, 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 listen. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified. It's very, very important for you and I to understand that God's business is meant to be our business. Your father's business is meant to be your business. The kingdom of God, its expansion, its growth is meant to be your business. You are never in more perfect alignment with God, your father, than when you are building his kingdom. You are never more in line with his vision for your life than when you are about his business. It's very interesting. Jesus, when he's a young boy, he gets left behind, right? Mary and Joseph leave. They're like, dude, where's our teenager in the middle of the desert? They go back. Well, that's a whole parenting, you know, talk. They go back and they find Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. He's like perplexed. He's confused that they didn't know where to find him. And what does he say? He says, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. Even from a young age, Jesus knew that he was meant to accomplish his father's mission. He was meant to accomplish his father's vision. He was meant to fulfill all of the things that his father in heaven set him out to do. You and I have been given a commission in our life. We have been given calling. We've been given destiny. We've been given potential. You and I are meant to fulfill a vision that God has for your life. It pleases him greatly as your father. Next thing is this, identity, very important. The band can come up. Identity is incredibly important. God wants his children to live their life through the filter of I am a son or a daughter of the king. Very, very powerful story. When Jesus is about to begin his ministry, the Bible says that he tracks down John the Baptist and asks him to baptize him. It's part of what God needed him to do to prepare him for his ministry. Jesus goes to the, the River Jordan and John the Baptist is there and a bunch of people watching. The people watching, I think, are very important because they are witnessing something incredible. And as Jesus comes, you know, down into the water and up, the Bible says that the, the clouds split, the sun shone, and what appeared like a dove came and rested on Jesus. And the, the clouds from heaven said these words, said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus heard it, John the Baptist heard it, all the people around heard it. It's very interesting that even for Jesus, the son of God, completely man, completely God, you know that Jesus was fully aware of who he was and who, what he was meant to do there. He was no surprise. He wasn't curious. He wasn't unsure. He knew the mission that he was come to fulfill. I bet you even for Jesus, the son of God, the most powerful human being to ever walk the earth, who lived a perfect life, even for him to hear that from his dad, of that's my boy, that's my son, and I'm well pleased, oh, it must have just given him the energy that he needed. It must have just given him the fuel that he needed. He knew what was about to happen. He knew he was about to go out into the desert, that, that Satan was going to try and tempt him and, and, and get him to you know, disapprove who he was and to, to confess that he was something other than who he was. And so Jesus, even Jesus' spirit 
knew that God was affirming him, telling him that he loved him and calling him out for who he was, which is his son. I can imagine that if that is what moved Jesus to do what he did, it energized him, how much more can that help you and I to hear that affirmation from heaven, to hear the yes from heaven, to hear that I'm proud of you, to hear that that a boy, that a girl. There's nothing like it. For many years, I looked for the approval of man. I looked for affirmation left and right. I was a high performer in many areas and that's where I got my value. I'm still on the journey. I still operate that like that a little bit. I'm not 100% there. But I've learned to shift and to adjust that my identity is not found in what I can do or how I perform. My identity is that I am a son of God and he's well pleased with me. He loves me. And for me, it's been monumental because I get to go away from my normal operating and I get to step into the sonship that God has always intended for me. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. He wants you and I to step into it, amen? Everyone stand up to your feet this morning. The few minutes that we have less, I wanna go through my last point. If you're a parent, you can attest to this. You will laugh, but it will be a little painful. <laughs> Is that having babies are very expensive. Maybe it's just for me, I don't know. The things that show up on my door, I must be on like a top Amazon list. They know where I live. It's really interesting, all the dollars that are going out, the, the things that we gotta buy, the this blanket and that swaddle and this binky and then just all the stuff. My perspective around it has actually shifted quite a bit. Where before maybe it was a little more like, oh my gosh, like is this ever gonna end? To there is no expense that I would spare for my boy. There's no thing that he needed that I wouldn't find out how to get him. There's nothing from me that I would ever hold back from him. There's no cost that I would not pay for my son to have what he needs. Today I'm here to tell you with your head bowed and your eyes closed that God your father has spared no expense for you. Maybe you need to hear today that what it costs to win you back, what it costs to open a relationship with him, what it costs, listen, it was a high and weighty price to pay. The reason it had to be high and weighty was because you are incredibly valuable. Because you bear the image of God, because you carry his spirit, because he is the one who created you, he fashioned you, he formed you. Listen, the Bible says he knows every day that you've ever lived, he knows every thought you've ever thought, he knows every word you've ever said. There's no one who knows him, like knows you like him. In the same way that I've come to the realization that there is no expense that I would spare for my boy, God has already crossed the line, he's already written the check, he's already paid the piper for you. And the Bible says this, the Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he accomplished what this Bible says that he accomplished, that access to heaven, that access to forgiveness, that access to salvation, that access to the Holy Spirit, that access to your father is available. The Bible says if you believe it in your heart and you will confess it with your mouth that you will be saved, not only will your salvation be secured, not only will your eternity be locked, but the presence of God is going to fill your life. All of a sudden, the, the paradigm and the dynamic and the perspective and the filter that you've been living your life under, it shifts and it changes. You start to realize how valuable you are, how beautiful you are, how wanted you are, how loved you are. If you're in the room today and maybe you've made this decision before, but things happen, 
You've been away from God. You have forgotten. He's your father. You've forgotten. Listen, maybe it's time to come back today. I love that the Bible gives us a story of the prodigal son. You know what the story of the prodigal son tells me is it's never too late to come running home. It's never too late to come back. And guess what? The beautiful thing, the reason God puts this in the Bible is that the father of that son is waiting. He's looking for him afar off with open arms and receives him back. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't scorn him. He says, I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for you. I've just been waiting for you to come. So if that's you, or if you're here for the very first time and you're like, I don't know who my father is. I don't know who my savior is. I don't know what this whole following Jesus thing is like. Listen, take the first step today. Only you know what you're believing in your heart, but we're gonna pray it with everybody. Everyone's gonna hear you aloud. Let today be the day where that flip is switched, that switch is flipped. Let today be the day where the presence of God finds you in a brand new way. Let today be the day that you recognize who your father is, his love for you. I wanna ask you very simply, if you're here and you're one of those two people, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand right now. If you're coming back, yeah, I've made that decision before, but I'm ready to have a relationship with him again. I'm ready to have rightness back in my life. I'm ready for God to coach me, correct me, show me. Good, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Stellar, stellar. There's nothing that's making him more happier than you simply saying yes to what he's accomplished. Beautiful guys up there. Man, he loves you guys so much. Pray this prayer with me. We do things as a family around here, so everyone's gonna pray. But especially those who lifted your hand, come on, let this be a moment in your faith. Let this be one of those milestones. July the 31st, it was a Sunday at 1.18 p.m. That's when everything shifted and changed. Pray with me, say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are who you say you are and you accomplished what the Bible says you accomplished. Today, I recognize my need for a father, my need for love, my need for forgiveness, and everything that I am needing is found in your house, with your people, and in your word. Today, I draw a line in the sand. I'm never coming back to your house because I'm never leaving. I declare from this moment forward that God is my father, that heaven is my home, Jesus is my savior, and the best is yet to come. Come on, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.